0: she's tori
1: and he's nick
0: and this is i want to rewatch
1: nx files podcast season three episode 16 apocrypha this episode is a myth arc episode and originally aired on friday february 16th 1996 it was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and it was written by Frank Spotnitz and Chris Carter and directed by Kim Manners.
0: This is like the first time we've had a proper two-parter where like both parts are written by the same people.
1: Yeah, I know. That's so funny that it's always like, I mean, I know that they have influence over the story and stuff. So it's not just like yeah. one person, but yeah, it is funny.
0: I mean, they did switch up the directors because they're doing the turn taking now, because right now it's pretty much just Rob Bowman and Kim Manners because they've
1: been. And immediately before Apocrypha, Fox aired a repeat of the list at 8 p.m. So it was a good night to watch a lot of X-Files if you were into yeah, that.
0: that. Was, that's a pretty good one. It does seem weird that they did a repeat in between a two-parter, though. I mean, I realize it's not like a week in between, but it's like, right, but like you had the last episode on Friday at 9 o'clock, and then the next Friday, it's like 8 o'clock is this episode, and then 9 o'clock is the next one. So it does seem weird that, like, slipped one in between, to, like, yeah storyline, but
1: Although I'm sure, like, as a kid, I didn't care. I was probably like, yay!
0: And then there's people who are like, I'm watching something else at 8. Too bad.
1: Yeah, which, uh, depending on what else was on at 8, that might have been us, too. Like, I don't remember what was on, so. I don't know. And then we get a previously on the X-Files. And we get a montage of stuff, including Gautier's black oil eyes in the diving suit. And Skinner telling Scully that her sister's case is going inactive. And the French soldiers suffering radiation exposure. And Johansson telling Scully that they never got an explanation for what killed his crew. Joan going thermonuclear on the French assassins that killed Jerry. Mulder confronting Krychek in the Hong Kong airport about selling secrets from the DAT tape. Skinner getting shot by Louise Cardinal. And Krychek's black oil eyes. So Black oil eyes. Oh my god, black oil eyes. A lot happened in the last episode. Didn't feel like that much, but woof! going over that montage, that was a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff.
0: Yeah. Then we're at Naval Hospital in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. And it is August 19th, 1953. And we get a very tight zoom on like the case. And then we kind of pan around and we see the running tape of a reel-to-reel recorder. And then we hear a voice that tells us the Navy wanted him to record his story. They told him he owed it to the dead to tell the truth. But he told them where they could stick the truth. And the camera zooms out. And we see a man in a bed with some bad looking radiation burns. And he says, I'm the last man who knows what killed the men aboard that submarine. And who knows that it was a suicide mission. But I'll burn in hell before I tell the murderers who sent us there. And then the camera kind of pans back even further. And we see there are three young men in suit standing around the man's bed. And one of them, the one closest to the bed, tells him that's why they came all the way from Washington to hear his story, to see that justice is served. And he says, the man in the bed had reported that after his outburst, XO Johansson locked them in with the captain. And then the man says, Johansson did what he had to. Some are sacrificed so others can live. And then we flash back and we, we learn, obviously, just from what was just said, but the man in the bed was the one who fired the gun in the previous episode when we saw the flashback. And so we see the man firing the gun and we see Captain Sanford tackle him. And then we see Johansson closing the door and locking them in. And the man says, the moment that door shut, he knew his life was sacrificed. And then in the flashback, we see the captain bangs on the door, demanding to be open. And then he turns around to face the others locked in the room with him. And his eyes have the black oil in them. And the sailor says, For the first time, we saw the enemy that was killing us. And then one of the men knocks the captain out, boom, with a big wrench, knocks him on the floor. And they stand over him and watch as this oil like oozes out of his nose and his mouth and heads for a drain in the floor. And then one of the men in the suit says, you called this thing an enemy. You're saying it is an enemy of some sort? And the sailor tells him that the Navy said they'd been sent to recover an A-bomb which is why they had all the burns. He's like, give me a freaking break. Whatever it was, they were sent there to guard it. That's what caused the radiation burns before it slithered back into the sea, back into who knows what. And then the man that was standing closest to the bed moves to turn the recorder off, but the sailor grabs his hand and says, that thing is still down there. The Navy will deny it, but you have to make sure the truth gets out. I can trust you to do that. Can't I, Mr. Mulder? And then Mr. Mulder turns and looks at the others. And one of them lights a cigarette and says, you can trust all of us. And then it's the
1: theme song. Yeah. And he says, you can trust all of us in William B. Davis's voice. So obviously yes. this is the cigarette smoking man. Yes,
0: Yeah. They, they dubbed that in. Yes. Yeah. And then obviously the other guy was Fox Mulder's dad. Yes. Right? Bill Mulder. And then I'm thinking the third dude is supposed to be the guy that we call godfather conspirator which they call elder number one i think it's supposed to be him
1: i think so so. i think he's kind of got that little bit of
0: a build the hairstyle is kind of similar so i think it's supposed to be him
1: and we've seen him enough that he's one of the ones who's recognizable Mm -hmm. and it's definitely not the well-manicured man so
0: yeah and then and then some stuff he says later in this episode as the godfather conspirator kind of confirms that he kind of knows what's going on yes for sure Yeah. This also does sort of answer our question we had last time about the whole, like, the captain pilot. How did it get into the fuselage kind of thing? Because obviously it leaves the captain at this point. And so we still don't know how it got into the pilot in the fuselage, but we do know that it's not the same person now at this point.
1: Yeah, which I had forgotten when we were talking about it yesterday. (laughs) Sorry. I forgot about this whole part.
0: Yeah. And then I also was doing some looking. And so the person who plays Captain Sanford in both episodes is actually uncredited. But the person who plays World War Two pilot in Piper Maru is credited, and they are different people. I honestly don't understand why the dude who is the pilot in Piper Maru gets a named credit, or at least as a World War Two pilot. But yeah, the dude who plays Captain Sanford in two episodes doesn't get credit in either episode when he has bigger scenes. I, don't, yeah. I do not understand how the crediting works in the show.
1: I, do I understand don't all. understand how it works in any show, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's
0: weird. And then since we're talking about crediting, I did not mention this last time. I meant to and I forgot, but it happens here, too, if we might as well say it. So um, Leno Briso, who plays Luis Carnell, is again credited as Hispanic man in both of these episodes, just as he was in the other episodes. And it's like, dude, he has a name. We're actually going to learn that. Like this, this episode is the only episode that we actually get his name. We finally learn it in this. But like they know what his name is. And yet he's constantly just credited as Hispanic man. And, like, they will give white people, like, names that are never mentioned in an episode. And then, like, this dude is still like, you're a Hispanic man. It's like, oh, come on, dude. I am I know.
1: It's weird. But anyway. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. So then we're at Northeast Georgetown Medical Center in Washington, D.C., and it's present day. And Scully rushes into the hospital, and she asks the nurse where she can find Walter Skinner, who is brought in with a gunshot wound. And the nurse starts to direct her, but someone calls her name. And we see that it's Agent Fuller who introduces his partner, Agent Kaleika. And they were called by the D.C. police. Scully asks how bad Skinner is. And Fuller doesn't know because Skinner's been in surgery. So then Scully asks what happened. And Kaleika tells her that it sounds like some hothead drew a gun in a coffee shop and Skinner just happened to be in the way. And she asks what they have on the shooter. And she's told that they have a description from the waitress. A handgun was recovered in the parking lot but is unregistered. And they got two partial fingerprints off the cash register. She asked about hair and fiber, which Fuller says it's too soon for. And Scully's like, it's the assistant director who got shot. We need all resources available. And Skinner's then wheeled out of the surgical area on a gurney into the hall. So Scully runs up after him. Like When she sees him, she runs up to him. And she jogs alongside him, but he's unconscious. And so she asks how he is. And the surgeon tells her that he came out of surgery all right, but he's still going to be in a lot of pain. And Scully stands by his bed, holding his hand while they wait for the elevator. And he wakes up briefly, and he tells Scully that he's seen the man who shot him before. (sighs) Yeah. And Agent Fuller is played by Kevin McNulty, who played the same character in Squeeze. I think we already went over all his credits. He was also in Soft Light when he appeared. And he'll be in three episodes of Millennium and an episode of The Lone Gunman, as well as two episodes of Supernatural and lots of other stuff. And then Agent Kaleika is played by Sulika Matthew, who also appeared in Roland as Lisa. She's also been in MacGyver, 21 Jump Street, Stargate SG-1, Castle, The West Wing, and apparently a show called Claws, which I've never seen, but she has a pretty big recurring role on.
0: Yeah, I don't know what that's about.
1: I don't Claws. know. don't maybe know.
0: Cat people or
1: <laughs> <werewolves> <laughs> maybe, Maybe. Could, could be werewolves. or Could a be a lot of things. Like,
0: it could also be like, I don't know. Yeah, so, don't
1: me either. Yeah,
0: technically Skinner couldn't have seen Luis before because when he was attacked in the hallway, Luis was behind him, and his, and then Krychek ran up and beats the crap out of him, so he wouldn't have actually seen Luis's face, but
1: eh, he might have gotten a glimpse.
0: Yeah, damn, Skinner has a sexy chest.
1: <laughs> well, you're not the only one who thinks that. That is popular man. opinion. So,
0: man, 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 that's that's a nice looking chest. Anyway. Then we're at Dulles International Airport in Washington, D.C. And Krychek and Mulder walk out of the rental car office and get in the car. And Krychek gets in the driver's seat. And Mulder tells him to give him the key to the lockbox. And Krychek says he will when they get there. But Mulder's like, no, give it to me now. I want to make sure we get there together. And he demands it. And so Krychek gives it to him. And the key says CI-517. And Mulder's like, what CI stand for? And Krychek's like, when we get there. So then we see Scully and she's in Skinner's hospital room and she's reading his chart and Fuller and Kaleika come in and ask how he's doing. And Scully says he's on Demerol. So he's in and out. And she says she thought she asked for guards. He posted outside. And Kaleika says they put in the request with the D.C. police. And Scully says this wasn't just some random shooting. And then Fuller says, it's just a matter of pulling manpower from elsewhere. And Scully says, she doesn't care if they have to stand in the hall themselves. She wants Skinner protected. And then she leaves. So she's yeah. bossy.
1: She is. And, I love it. Yay, bossy women.
0: And then we're on County Road 512 in Maryland. And Crycheck and Mulder are in their rental car. And they're driving down the road. And they pass this car that's parked on the side with two people inside. And then as they pass, the people inside the car start the car and they follow. And then Mulder notices them and tells Krychek they're being followed by a dark sedan with its lights off. And it was parked on the shoulder a half mile back. And then Mulder's like, speed up. And then he's like, that's speed up. And points the gun at Krychek. So Krychek speeds up. And then the car behind them turns on its high beams and blinds Mulder because he was looking back there. And it's like, "Ah!" Oh. And then it comes alongside them and, boom, bashes them a couple times and knocks them off the side of the road. They go into those little water barrels and then go into a ditch.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: and Mulder hits his head on the windshield. And then, Blood and yeah,
1: yeah, I don't know. I mean, like when they start following them and they don't have their lights on, I feel like that's more suspicious than just turning your lights on. And well, I mean, out.
0: if you don't have your lights on, you can't be seen. Technically, it just depends on if there's any reflection so you can see the car or not.
1: So, mm, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a spy, I don't know anything about this stuff. I think it
0: was more about the fact that Mulder, I think Mulder was just watching for cars. So when he oh, saw I think the he was the side yeah. of the road, then he started looking because otherwise, I don't know that you would be looking and see especially because like he doesn't have a rearview mirror that he can see through he has to like turn his head completely around so yeah. and that would seem like that you, that would be a distraction where Krychek could then like whack him while he's doing that <laughs> yeah. so then we see them in the ditch and we hear the car back up and then the men jump out and they run up to the car and look inside and so one is on each side and one sees Krychek and pulls him out of the car and is like where's the tape and Krychek's like I don't have it and then he hits cry in the stomach, with the butt of his gun and they're kind of, they've kind of gotten a little bit away from the car. He kind of dragged him away from the car a little bit. And the other man has gone around and he's got like a gun pointed at Mulder and he's getting ready to open the door, probably to pull Mulder out, maybe to shoot Mulder and kill him. Who knows? But then there's this bright light, like lights the area and we hear the other man scream. And so this first guy is like, what, what happened? So he runs over to go help his buddy. And then Mulder kind of like lifts his head up a little bit. And then we see another bright flash of light. And then Mulder, like, puts his head down on the dashboard, passes out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because, like I said, Mulder, like, hit his head on the windshield. There's like a little bit of blood in the center of like the shatter from the windshield. It's like, and he's like totally like slumped against the dashboard, like hardcore slumped against it. Like, he was wearing a seatbelt. Like, did it not work? Like,. How do you get from there to there? I don't know.
1: Maybe a really rough bump, but yeah. That's what seatbelts
0: are supposed to stop you from doing. And then, yeah. Yeah. I also, and Tori will probably disagree about this, but I do feel that if this was not black oil, Krychek, he probably would have been able to handle that driving situation a little bit better than just like totally getting run off the road. So
1: I'll give Krychek some props. He's probably a pretty good defensive driver. Yeah.
0: I mean, he might even like have taken it on the offense too, which is what you would probably need to do in that situation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. also while I was watching this, I realized that this is the same defense slash attack mechanism used by the alien in Fallen Angel—the whole oh. bright light and radiation burn oh. stuff.
1: Yeah, it is. I've forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Which is job, interesting X-Files. because in the
0: last episode, the woman who plays Joan played the radar tech in Fallen Angel. Oh yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I was like, I was like, wait, I've seen this before. Was, I didn't know. It. I think it's because when we the, first, the only time we see it before that is when she's in the hallway and she's like, the light kind of like emanates from like her abdomen and like flares up in the whole hallway and then goes down. But this time we actually do see it like from a distance and we hear like streams Like we see the bright light and people are like,
1: ah.
0: I was like, that's exactly what happened in Fallen Angel. That's how we would do it. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I totally forgot about that.
0: Although this alien is apparently like black oil and not some dude dressed in an orange bodysuit with like a bicycle helmet <laughs> strapped to his head and slippers
1: and whatever. <laughs> I don't think that's how the alien was supposed to look. So I think I think that's okay. <laughs> I that just
0: I, don't, I still don't understand what the hell they were doing with that, but yeah, okay.
1: So then we're at FBI headquarters in Washington DC and Scully arrives at the lab to see Agent Pendrell who apparently called her. He found something she'll want to see. The partial prints they pulled from the register didn't amount to anything, but they found saliva on Skinner's shirt that wasn't his. Duh. So he, yeah, you know.
0: I remember, yeah, because he's all, if he shoots him. Oh, yeah, that's
1: mm-hmm. right.
0: And then he says something, which I thought was Spanish, but I did. I was looking up some other stuff, and I saw, I, I don't, it's true, because I don't speak either of the languages. Apparently, he said something in Portuguese. So okay. Like suck it.
1: In Portuguese. Okay. That would make but sense. I don't know, because
0: I don't speak either of those, so.
1: I don't either, but yeah. That yeah would but make apparently, sense. he was all, suck it.
0: So,
1: yeah, I don't know. Anyway, Pendril ran an analysis of the secretors and other hemofactors, and he hands Scully the report. And she reads it and says that it tells them that they're looking for a male, probably in his 40s, with type B blood, most of which they already knew. And Pendril tells her they were also able to chromosome stain some of the hair fibers they picked up. And Scully says, "Okay, but, you know, we'll still need to find a guy before we can get a match. So it's not going to, like, lead them to someone. They need someone to match the hair against
0: unless it's in the records already.
1: Yeah, so Pendle says he can run it against all the suspects arrested in the DC area in the past few years and Scully's like that'll take too much time. But uh go ahead and do it anyway. <laughs> She's impatient. She wants to find the guy who shot Skinner and also probably her sister.
0: Yeah, I mean this isn't 24, Scully. You can like I mean you've waited like 9 months to find out who killed your sister. You can wait like a few more minutes to run the thing, but whatever.
1: So she asks if she can borrow the chromosome stain for a while, and he tells her to go ahead and she thanks him and leaves.
0: Yeah, and Tori did like correct the script by saying that Scully said that's most of what they already knew. In the episode, she actually says they knew all of that from the waitress's description, um, which, I mean, I doubt they know the blood type from the waitress's description, but anyway. And it's B-positive blood, so maybe it's Amy Jacobs' bit, so.
1: I mean, that would be a twist.
0: Yeah, you know. Maybe Skinner is bleeding Amy Jacobs' Spit. Well, I guess just, <laughs> it's not related at, at all but maybe spit? can you check can you get blood type from spit i don't know can you yeah i think so okay i'm not yeah i'm not for
1: some that. reason i think that's right but i don't remember why okay but i think they also well, yeah i don't know i'm pretty sure you can but i'm not sure how okay. anyway i remember yeah, hearing I was, that somewhere I wasn't,
0: I wasn't sure so
1: that sounds right to me but again i don't really I mean, know i, I guess there, there, be some, there might be
0: some residual in your mouth just because so at all times that you know
1: yeah, I, I know, know there's something. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty sure you can, okay. but I don't remember how that works. Okay. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I've been wrong before.
0: So then we're in a room with some medical equipment. It's kind of a dark room. doesn't look like a hospital. No. And the doctor that we saw before with the French sailors, he is in a room looking at the man on the bed, and the cigarette smoking man is there, and he tells him, we picked up these men last night. Their burns are somatic. Caused by close proximity to radiation exposure, same as the French sailors. And the cigarette smoking man asks what the prognosis is. And the doctor tells him it's just a matter of time. This level of exposure will cause widespread cell damage, leading to the onset of massive and malignant cancers. <laughs> and then the cigarette smoking man lights a cigarette.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. Like, good timing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has anyone seen these men and the doctor tells him no the cigarette smoking man's orders were to isolate them but the doctor now wonders if they maybe they should get a specialist in and the cigarette smoking man like leans in he's got like a cigarette in his mouth and he pulls the man bandages to look at the man's eyes and the man is like awake and like his yeah. eyes are moving and the doctor's like i've never seen anything like this before and the cigarette smoking man says he has and the doctor's like you know what caused this and the cigarette smoking man tells him to have the bodies destroyed starts to walk away and the doctor's like but these men aren't dead yet and the cigarette smoking man just turns back and says isn't that the prognosis and then leaves (laughs) so that dude was like awake and probably heard like i
1: know how horrible (laughs) how horrible to be there you're dying of radiation poisoning and this guy's just like destroy the corpses you're not a corpse yet but destroy him oh god yeah Yeah. cigarette smoking man is brutal (laughs) he's like Yeah, he's heartless. I love him. But yeah, no heart.
0: <laughs> heartless. And then Mulder wakes up in a hospital bed and he's got a bandage <laughs> on his forehead.
1: Everyone's in the hospital. Yeah, it's and the he's hospital. got like some
0: like computer cable, like going across his chest or something too. I don't know what it's supposed to be connected to. But anyway, Scully is sitting beside his bed and he's like, I guess I'm not dead. And Scully shakes her head and then asks what happened. And Mulder thinks for a second and then is like, maybe you can tell me because he doesn't know. And she tells him the state police found him unconscious strapped in the passenger seat of a rental car that had been run off the road into a ditch. So he still had his seatbelt on. So, yeah, I still don't know how he, like, smacked his head on the windshield and was laying against the dashboard. But maybe the The seatbelt just didn't work. Yeah. And Mulder says that we were run off the road by two men. And Scully's like, we? And he's like, I was with Krychek. And he was in Hong Kong. And he's got the digital tape and he's been selling information. And Scully's like, I wonder if that's what the men wanted. And then Mulder remembers that they pulled Krytec out of the car and they thought he was going to kill him. And then he thought they were going to kill him, too. And then there was this bright flash. And that's all he remembers. Mm -hmm. And Scully tells him, well, this isn't the best time, but you're not the only one in the hospital. Skinner's been shot. And Mulder asks what Skinner's condition is. And Scully says the bullet perforated his small intestine, but doctors think he's going to be fine. And then Mulder's like, who shot him? And Scully says she doesn't know, but she has an idea. And then she pulls out this folder with, like, the two, you know, like, the DNA charts. Like, basically, they're like, they're, like, negative sheets, kind of almost like x-rays, right? You've seen them on TV before with all the markers. And Mulder's like, what are they? She's like, "They're PCR results. The first is the man who shot Skinner. And then Mulder lines them up, and they match perfectly. And he's like, who's the second? She's like, the man who shot my sister. And he's like, oh. and then we get a commercial. Yep. Yeah, I don't remember him spitting on Melissa, so I'm not sure where they got the PCR result from that. Eh.
1: Time, but, yeah. It's TV. Yeah.
0: And then Mulder gets to borrow one of Scully's faces here, the one I usually call him face number four, for our reaction shots. He's like...
1: <gasps> <gasps> so,
0: yeah. Not great, but... Yeah.
1: oh, These poor people, <laughs> they spend all this time and energy acting, and Nick has boiled it down to face numbers. Well, I mean, if, <laughs> that's, how you, if that's
0: what you're supposed to do and that's all you can do, <laughs> I mean, it's not... I don't know, you know? sorry <laughs> i have higher standards of what i want for my acting i mean i i'm not gonna harp on it but jillian anderson is awful in this episode She is really bad in my opinion but
1: i don't think so at all i totally disagree her I think faces are
0: constantly like like what kind of face is that supposed to be i don't understand
1: no oh, um, i think she's good
0: and then we get the end we get the oh yeah we'll, 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 we'll get to the end but ugh.
1: yeah i think she's good it's subjective
0: you watch a lot of TV. I don't watch a lot of TV. So maybe TV just sucks. And I'm not used <laughs> to it. I don't know. So.
1: Or maybe you just, I don't know. Maybe it just doesn't click with you, like, however she is acting. Because it works for me totally fine. Yeah. I mean,
0: Mulder doesn't act great a lot of the time either. So, I mean, I when they, when they act great, I give them, I, I have acknowledged both of them acting, like, really well in other episodes. Yeah. A lot of times they don't, in my opinion. So.
1: Yeah. That's fine. I don't agree with you, but that's fine. And then we're at 46th Street in New York City. And Godfather Conspirator is back, and the room is filled with men, including the well-manicured man. Mm -hmm. And Godfather Conspirator says they've received disturbing reports from their intelligence sources. A French salvage ship came into San Diego, its crew all dying of radiation exposure. Its last given position was the site where we recovered the UFO. So, uh, there's a little bit of information.
0: I also wonder how they're only just barely getting this information about the salvage crew, like, Dying because, like, everyone else has known this already. Like, Mulder knows about it. Like,
1: yeah. Well, Mulder has like a hotline on weird stuff. And I don't know. He's pretty quick on those things. They have like bureaucracy that takes them longer to find stuff out. Yes. And the well manicured man asks how they could have gotten that location. And another man says they've been unable to determine that. And the well manicured man says they got the coordinates somehow. And Godfather Conspirator says it seems there is an information leak. And the well-manicured man asked if their associate in Washington has looked into this. And Godfather Conspirator says he's responded to the situation, but not in a way that any of them anticipated. He doesn't know the details yet, but he's asked him to come here and explain it himself. So now we have confirmation that Mulder's right, that they pulled the UFO and not a Russian sub out of the ocean. And that Godfather Conspirator lied to Scully. Not surprising. Mm. Although it does seem so far that the people who experimented on her were actually men, not aliens, but we don't know for sure yet. She has proof. She saw it. So, yeah. Well, she saw the men experimenting on her. She didn't see them pull the UFO know, out of the sea. You
0: know, she always has proof, and then turns out it's something else. But anyway, so we probably need to start calling him elder number one because that's what he's credited as instead of Godfather Conspirator just because. But
1: eh, I don't know. I think uh, we can name things. The show names things. We can name things, too. We
0: we can name things? We can name things?
1: Yeah.
0: We can start renaming characters?
1: Well, Elder Number 1 is not a name, so.
0: Oh, so you're telling me I can't give Scully another name?
1: No. Scully is Dana Scully. Dana Catherine Scully. All right. Speaking of Scully, she arrives at Skinner's room and there are two guards posted outside and she flashes her badge to get inside. And Skinner is awake, so she asks how he's feeling. And he says, like, someone's been in my stomach redecorating. Skinner asks her what she's turned up on the shooter. And Scully says they've determined the man who shot him is the same man who shot her sister. And Skinner does not seem that surprised by that news. He tells her that a few days ago, three men threatened him about pursuing her sister's case. And Scully's like, do you realize what you're saying? And Skinner's like, hey, I'm not advancing any conspiracy theory. But Scully thinks it's obvious that they wanted to close Melissa's case, not for lack of evidence, but because they didn't want the killer caught. And Skinner warns her to be careful about the accusations she makes. And she tells Skinner that he told her he'd seen the shooter before. And Skinner tells her that he was the man who attacked him in the stairwell with Krychek. And Scully's surprised that he was working with Krychek. And Skinner says that they stole the digital tape from him. And Scully's like, damn it. Cry Mulder had him because, you know, it's frustrating. They had him in their grasp. And Skinner tells her that anger is a luxury she can't afford right now. If she's angry, she's going to make a mistake. And these people will take advantage of that. She's seen how they operate. And Scully tells him that she'll be okay. And she starts to leave. And Skinner calls to her, telling her that if she can't keep her head, it's okay to step away. And Scully's like, that's exactly what they want.
0: I will argue that you acted this scene better than Juliette Anderson did. but
1: <laughs> I don't um, think so. I think she does good. I think I she does a good I job. I don't think
0: she does good. Like her like switching to emotions, if they're to be considered emotions, is not great. But anyway, I am just mainly I'm just upset they covered up that sexy sexy chest with a t-shirt in this scene because we get a lot of chest, but it's all covered in t-shirt. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> really, really, really? You just had to cover up that sexy sexy chest. But
1: Sorry. <sighs> I'm sure he'll be shirtless eventually at some other point. Maybe not this episode.
0: So the Scully's at home sometime later and she's typing on a laptop and we get her voiceover as she writes a den to case 621517. And she says in the absence of any official response to my request to have my sister's case reopened, I am now petitioning to devote full Bureau resources to search for Alex Krychek. And she says that since Mulder's released from the hospital, They've had no success locating Krychek or the two men who abducted him. Scully believes Krychek is the key to identifying larger forces behind the crime they're investigating and that he alone can name the man who shot her sister and perhaps explain the strange radiation deaths of the sailors from the French vessel. And then later at the X-Files office, Scully opens the door to find the diamond. We're assuming this is probably the next day. I'm thinking.
1: Well, we don't even know because there's been time has passed because Mulder was released from the hospital. So it's been like a couple of days, probably at least. Yeah, so we don't so know. Yeah. So
0: he's home sometime later. We're assuming and then it's like probably I'm assuming the, next that's day. Like the same night. But then, yeah, maybe the next. Yeah, we don't know. Well, because Mulder we was released. Stamp, so we don't get any day,
1: Samson. We don't know how long Mulder was in the hospital. So he could have been in there for a week for all we know. So we don't yeah, know how no, much time has passed. No, because she does say they've been looking for the men. So clearly they've been working on it already. So it's been a couple of days at least.
0: Yeah. But anyway, Scully opens the door, and that big-ass diving suit from the Piper Maru is in the X-Files office. And Mulder's like, it looked great on him at the store. (laughs) good
1: joke.
0: And he says he had them fly it in from San Diego as evidence because it was covered in this strange oil, the same oil that was found on the diver, you know, Gautier, when Mulder found him, and then also was found on the diver's wife when she was found on the floor in the bathroom of the Hong Kong airport a few days ago. And he holds up a vial of the stuff, and he's like, according to analysis, it's 58 diesel oil, which is the same stuff that is used in World War II submarines and on P-51 Mustangs, for that matter. But not only is the oil 50 years old, its composition has been altered by exposure to radiation. Whoa, I don't know that submarines and Mustang airplanes have the same engines and would have the same diesel oil, but... It's cool. Whatever. I mean, it would make sense like from a requisition point of view for like the war that you would want to have like as much similar stuff mm-hmm. as you could. It could be used multi you know, instead of having right. like, oh, I got some yeah. of the soil and some of the soil and I can't use them. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. So we'll just we'll go with it. It sounds good to me. I don't care. Yep. Yeah, it works. <laughs> it works. Scully Whatever. Scully says she doesn't <laughs> understand how this stuff got onto the diver and then on his wife and Mulder thinks it's not just ordinary de-soil. He thinks it's a medium being used by some kind of alien creature to body jump. And Scully is like, you're saying this stuff has intelligence. And Mulder says, he thinks it's been waiting at the bottom of the Pacific ocean for 50 years for another host that could bring it up to the surface. And Scully's like waiting to jump into the diver and then the diver's wife. And then Mulder says, and then to cry check. He thinks that Joan Gautier went to Hong Kong under control of this thing to find cry check. And Scully laughs. And then he kind of like, Laughs too, and he's like, I know this sounds crazy. And she's like, is anyone not looking for cry check? And Mulder thinks the sixty-four thousand dollars question is what this thing is looking for now that it's in CryCheck, and what does it want?
1: Yeah. I will point out that Scully does not, she is not like, she does not really push back on Mulder at all. Like his theory that like this thing has an alien intelligence that it's helping the alien intelligence like move from body to body. She just doesn't even argue with him, which I think is great because, yeah, at this point, she's seen plenty of stuff. And like, I'm not saying she's a total believer now. I'm just saying she doesn't really push back on it. So yeah, I have two
0: questions. One, how did they get that thing in the office? It will not fit through the door. They had to go down the stairwells with it. Like, I mean, it's almost like that office is a set and they can just like move the walls and put it in there and then. With the walls back, it's kind of like I don't know how that would get in the office, it would not get in the office, but yeah, it is giant, it's the size of the Hulk, basically, is what it is. It's, it's humongous, so and then I, I didn't, I should have really thought about this last episode, but I think I was distracted by the whole like dude in the fuselage, and then we were trying to figure out like how it got in there and all that kind of stuff. But like, how did the oil get through the sealed pressurized suit to get onto Gautier? Like, obviously, if things could get through that suit he would be dead because he'd be under the water in, like, high pressure, and water would get in. So how did the oil get through?
1: Yeah. I don't know, because there's that weird air bubble in the fuselage, too, so maybe... I don't know. Maybe it has some I mean, kind of we'll way of... That. Just, I don't know.
0: Maybe it can Maybe it can phase yeah, it's magic. Yeah, it Phases through stuff.
1: Alien magic! Yeah, stuff, yeah. Don't think I about it! I found Joan, at least. And you were right.
0: Like, I mean, that had to be weird for her to like, wake up in the bathroom. Oh, so, yeah. So at least she and her husband are not dead. That's nice. Although... I mean, it yes. obviously was be weird for him, too, because like when he wakes up, he's like, oh, last thing thing I remember. I was on a dive and then he's in an apartment. and His wife is gone. The place is trashed. But he obviously is also like shady as fuck because he's like dealing in classified secrets that killed people. So I don't really have a lot of sympathy for him. But I'm going to assume that his wife doesn't know what's going on. So I would be like, that's got to be weird, especially for a woman, too. Like, you wake up in a men's bathroom. Don't know what happened. You're in another country. Not you might have some questions.
1: Yeah, although I wouldn't necessarily presume her innocence, although she doesn't seem to know what's yeah. going on when yeah. she comes home. So, because she's like, Where have you been? The French consulate's yes, yeah. yeah, so she doesn't seem well, to know. I mean, what. he's a
0: French citizen, so apparently he's on green card yeah. or something because they're married. I have no idea what their relationship is like, and they're married, but other than that, yeah. So, I'm just going to assume innocence unless I yeah. know guilt, but he obviously knows what was going on because as soon as Mulder mentioned, you know, Jake Chuck, he's like, I want to speak to the consulate, I won't talk to you anymore. So like, you know something. Right. You know, you know,
1: something's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So then we're in Rockville, Maryland, and the lone gunmen are skating around an ice rink. And at the edge of the rink, fire skates by a man in a trench coat who's speaking to a woman. And then Langley sees another trench coated figure at the other end of the rink. And so he kind of watches him pass suspiciously. So they're clearly like looking around, checking out the scene. And then Langley nods at Frohickey who skates to the edge of the rink and gets off. And he heads over to some lockers that are part of the ice skating rink. And he opens locker 517. And he pulls out a small manila envelope and puts it in his coat. Kind of, you know, make sure no one's looking, puts it in his coat, walks away. And then all three lone gunmen head to a car that's parked outside where Mulder is waiting. And frohickey hands in the envelope and he's like, nothing to it. And Byers says that Mulder should call upon their services more often And Langley's like, we're pretty good at this G-Man stuff. So, you know, they're proud of themselves. Got in there and got the thing out of the locker without raising suspicion. Good work, guys. So Mulder opens the envelope and inside is a digital tape case. But there's no tape inside.
0: I mean, he totally should call in their services more often. Because when we get to see them more often, we don't get to see them as nearly as often as I think we should. And the lack of the tape being in there is not their fault. It has nothing to do with how well they did their job.
1: No, obviously not. So one,
0: we know that CI stands for capital ice. That's the name of the ice rink they're at. So there we go. There's our CI. And then also I think it's kind of funny because they keep like eyeballing the dudes in trench coats that are around and like they're all dressed exactly like buyers. Buyers is wearing the same trench coat. It was like skating on the ice in a trench coat. So this is kind of funny. They're like eyeballing <laughs> all the dudes in trench coats. They're probably just going about their normal daily business and are like business dudes, maybe douchebags. We don't know, but like, but buyers is dressed exactly like them. It's kind of funny that they're all like, Ooh, don't trust any it. Yeah. Trench coats. And buyers.
1: They're just making sure no one who looks like a government official yeah. is gonna see Langley is not ever. good
0: at ice skating yeah. and it's like skating opposite of everyone else too. When he's skating around, so he's totally going the opposite direction <laughs> of everybody else. Everyone, you know, you go and you know, they're all going counterclockwise. And so he's kept going clockwise. But like, he's not great at skating, and then also he's going the opposite direction of everybody else. So I thought that was funny too. If he's trying to blend in. But, yeah, good scene. Always good to see the lone gunman.
1: Always. Oh, always. Yeah. No, they're always great.
0: You know who else is always good to see?
1: <gasps> the cigarette smoking man.
0: Yeah. He's at home and he's drinking some whiskey or maybe scotch. I don't know. He's got some ice in it. So he's got it on the rocks and he's smoking and he's watching um, something on television. It's black and white. It seems almost like, a, like maybe like a gangster, like a cops and robbers kind of thing, or I don't know, some kind of thing. I'm not sure what it is. I couldn't tag it, but as he's watching, he puts his drink on the table and then the DAT tape poof, flies on the table and lands next to his drink, he turns around and stands up and Crychek is standing there and Krycek is like. Where is it? And the cigarette-smoking man says he's been expecting them. And then, uh, boom! Luis Carnell pops up with a gun, cocks it behind Krychek's head. And the cigarette-smoking man is like, put the gun down! And so he does. And the cigarette-smoking man tells Krychek, he's like, I have what you want. And then he takes a drag off a cigarette. And then we see the black oil clouds in Krychek's
1: eyes. In this commercial. Ooh. So Krejcik had the tape the I whole time? I guess so. Time?
0: Mulder should have frisked him. Duh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, come on. That's agenting 101. Even Unless i I'm not an agent. Unless he
0: got their well, maybe he had a sec. I mean, they're Probably more than one key. I'm guessing. Maybe he might have got there yes. before they did. I
1: have a storage unit, and I have like four keys because they gave me like four keys to the storage unit for some reason. I don't need four keys, but the the odds that he has a second key are yeah. And
0: so great. he might have got there before lone gunman did, and just and just left yeah. it there. It's like, uh-huh. you know,
1: yeah, jerk. Even with black oil <laughs> alien inside you. You're yeah. still or, a jerk, Jack. You're pro- still a jerk. I
0: don't know that. It, it seems like the when you're black oil, you don't really know what's going on. Like, you don't have access to the person's memory. No. So it's probably more likely that he's had it the whole time. And Mulder should have frisked him. But.
1: I don't know if that's true. And we'll find out more about this because I know this stuff comes back and keeps. Yeah. So we'll find out a, more. There's also the question of
0: why Mulder just didn't go into the bathroom with him and like just waited outside. And like,
1: I know it's a men's bathroom. It's not like a woman's bathroom where he, like, couldn't go well, in he didn't with even Kraycheck, wait outside so the men's bathroom. Weird. He
0: waited outside the main restroom entrance, and then you go through that entrance, and then you can go to the women's or men's, which is why he didn't think about it when Joan it might went even through, be, like... Because he didn't know who she was, so he just like, oh, yeah. there's a lady going in the bathroom. And, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess... Are you, like, uh, afraid I'm of seeing Crycheck's junk? And- like,
0: does it scare you? Like, you don't want to hang out in the bathroom with <laughs> him? What are you doing? Like... Uh,
1: I mean, to be fair, I don't want to hang out in a bathroom with Crychek either, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, why would you take your
0: eyes off him at all, ever? Like,
1: I know. Mulder is weirdly trusting at the weirdest times. You're like, what are you doing, dude? Trust no one. No one. Obviously, ever at any time.
0: But still, it just seems like.
1: I mean, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like, But still, it is funny. Because it's like, you should have just gone there. Yeah, I don't know. He was willing to cuff Jerry to him, but Crychek, it's like, go have fun. Mm, Just walk wherever you want. (laughs) so then we're in new york city and the cigarette smoking man enters the room where the conspirators all hang out and the well manicured man tells him that he's late and cigarette smoking man blames the weather delay on the shuttle from washington and godfather conspirator says they've heard cigarette smoking man acted on his own and moved the recovered ufo and cigarette smoking man's like yeah well with new attempts to recover it we required heightened security and the well manicured man asks who else is looking for it And Cigarette Smoking Man's just like, I moved it as a safeguard. And Godfather Conspirator says that someone better find out how the French even knew to look for it. And Cigarette Smoking Man's like, no worries. The UFO will be completely inaccessible now. And another asks, why not move it to Nevada like the others? But Cigarette Smoking Man says public interest and leaks made Nevada unviable. So all those stories about Area 51 have ruined it as their safe place to hide things.
0: Can't have nice things.
1: So he asks why he was called there and the well-manicured man tells him that he wants an explanation for this business with assistant director Skinner and cigarette smoking man's like, I thought that was a random shooting. And the well-manicured man tells him that the waitress gave a description and they released a sketch to the press and he shows the cigarette smoking man, the sketch in the newspaper. And he's like, one of yours, isn't he? And cigarette smoking man's like, well, if he is, he acted alone. And another man's like, this is a very serious exposure for us. And the cigarette smoking man's like, I'll take care of it. And the well-manicured man tells the cigarette smoking man to get his priorities in order and to get the shooter out of the country ASAP. If Skinner IDs him, even their well-placed operatives won't be able to stand in the way of an arrest compromising the secrecy of their work. And the cigarette smoking man assures him that it will be handled.
0: Well, manicure man is getting upset.
1: Yeah, he does not like that the cigarette smoking man is unilaterally moving UFOs and making decisions and not consulting the group. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So then we're in the lone gunman office bunker, whatever we're calling it. And Frohickey is looking through like a bunch of magnifying things and says that someone wrote on top of the package leaving impressions. And Langley and Byers start talking about all the different types of techniques the FBI have to like to identify indentations and markers and all this super high-tech stuff, like Mylar and lasers and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. Meanwhile, Mulder takes a piece of paper and he lays it over the envelope and he kind of rubs a pencil over the top of it and gets an impression of what was on the envelope. It was a phone number in a New York City area code 212-555-1012. And then Mulder's like, hang on to this very precision instrument. Gives it to Pro Hickey because it's a pencil. (laughs) And then excuses himself because he's going to make a phone call. So then back in the conspirator office, we see the well-manicured man is like putting on his coat, getting ready to leave. Everyone's kind of like leaving because the meeting's over, right? And then the phone rings and he kind of like, why is the phone ringing? And then his like assistant goes over and answers the phone and he answers it. And he's like, this is a private line. You must have misdialed. And clearly whoever's calling is like insistent. And the man's like, no, I'm sorry. You, like, there's no one here to answer your call. Like, we can't help you. But the well-mannered man goes over and like gestures for the phone. And so his assistant hands it to him. And the well-mannered man is like, who is this? And then we see that it's Mulder on the phone. And he's like, he asks the same question. Like, who is this? And the well-mannered man asks, who gave you this number? And Mulder says, a man named Krychek. And the well-mannered man is like, Alex Krychek? And Mulder's like, yeah. Nice guy killed my father. You wouldn't happen to know where he is, would you? And then the well-manicured man realizes that it's Mulder, and he's like, "Mr. Mulder." And he, then he asks if they can meet somewhere. And then he like, you know, puts the phone to the side, and he tells his assistant to give Mr. Mulder directions and that he's going to meet him in Central Park in three hours at a specific place. And then he's like, "And when you are done, then have this number disconnected." <laughs> Yeah.
1: So I guess Mulder's too busy to deal with the slide projector because Agent Kalika is setting one up.
0: Yours is fancy.
1: Yours is fancy. It 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 looks like
0: it might be a digital projector. Honestly, I'm not sure, but it's pretty fancy.
1: And Scully and Pendler are there. They're sitting at a table and Fuller tells them that they have a name to go with the shooter's face, which then appears on the projector screen. It's Luis Cardinal. Apparently, he impressed a lot of people with his marksmanship during the Iran-Contra deal. And Fuller says, and that's the good news. And Scully's like, what does that mean? And Kaleika tells her that he entered the country illegally and they can't find anything on him. No address, no financials, nothing. In all likelihood, he's probably out of the country already. And Scully's like, damn it, he's going to get away with it. And Fuller says he wishes he could tell her otherwise. She tells them to keep looking for him, and Fuller's like, well, we've pretty much exhausted our resources. And Scully's like, well, then what's it going to take? And Kaleka says, at this point, other than a sign from God, and Scully's like, well, I've seen stranger things, believe me. And she leaves, and Pendril's like, I believe she has. (laughs) Yeah, she (laughs) doesn't
0: believe in anything unless it actually is God, so.
1: (laughs) I thought Pendril's line was funny, though.
0: (laughs) No, it was, yeah, but it's just kind of funny, because she's like, I've seen strange you've seen lots of things But like you don't believe any of them unless it can like you can relate your well
1: like I said she doesn't really doubt Mulder's alien theory at this point I mean she's pretty much you know
0: well she hasn't confirmed it either I mean she's kind of like kind of like jokingly like are you trying to say that this is happening he's like it sounds crazy I know but yeah and so she, yeah she doesn't give any pushback like she normally would so yeah so then we're in Central Park And it's dark and Mulder is waiting kind of impatiently for his meeting with the well-manicured man. And then well-manicured man appears and he's like, I trust we're alone. Mulder says they are. And Mulder's like, everyone's alone in New York. And then the well-manicured man says that Mulder is looking for Krychek to kill him for revenge. And he's like, what makes you think we haven't done that already? And Mulder's like, what for? Like, why would you do that? And well-manicured man says that if Mulder tells them what he knows, and he'll consider giving him cry check. And Mulder's like, I want you to answer a few questions of my own first. Like, what was pulled off the bottom of the Pacific Ocean? And the well-mannered man was like, a UFO, a so-called Foo Fighter. And Mulder's like, and you left it there until now? And the well-mannered man says, there were salvage attempts. A US sub was sent 50 years ago, but there were complications. And Mulder's like, almost the entire crew died. And the well-mannered man is like, yes, it's still a mystery. And Mulder's like, to whom? And the well-manicured man says the cover story says it was a third atomic bomb sent for Japan. But the truth is, no one knows what killed the crew. And Mulder's like, I know. And if the well-manicured man gives him Krychek, that he'll tell him. And the well-manicured man says he's already given Mulder much, and he's offered nothing in return. And Mulder's like, well, you haven't told me anything I didn't already know. And then the well-manicured man asks why, if he encountered Krychek, didn't he kill him when he saw him? And Mulder says, because Krychek has the tape and he's been selling the secrets from it. And then the well manicured man is kind of like, hmm?
1: like Yeah, he actually looks to... genuinely yeah. surprised to hear that. Like, he's because well, as far not as they that. know,
0: the tape was destroyed. That's what the right. smoking man told them, right? Yeah, exactly. So now he's like, Oh, Krychek's selling the secrets from it. And so then Mulder realizes that, like, they're looking for Krychek too. They don't know where he is. And then the well manicured man just kind of like, you know, tries to take control of the situation. It's like. Anyone can be gotten to Mr. Mulder. Surely you know that. And then Mulder, like, leaves. And then as he's walking away, the wool man command calls after him, but he kind of ignores him. And then he, like, pulls out his cell phone and he calls Scully. And he's like, Scully, are there still guards posted outside of Skinner's room? Like, are they still there? And Scully's like, they should be. And Mulder's like, well, go down there and check right away. And so she's like, okay, and hangs up.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, well, because at first the cigarette smoking man told him that Crycheck was dead and the tape was blown up. And then, you know, obviously the well-manicured man realizes Crycheck's alive. And now he knows that Crycheck has the tape. So, ooh.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. it's selling the secrets on it.
1: Yeah, which, you know, none of that is good for them. So, because their
0: whole thing is like the secrets on that are not put to get out, which I mean, then why did you put it on the internet?
1: Well, they didn't. They put it on but, a DAT tape, right? But
0: No, but that the DAT tape came from, remember, because it's the one dude who downloaded it to the DAT tape. Oh, you're internet. right.
1: That's right. Yeah. They got it from the Pentagon. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. This story's been going on so long, I forgot where the tape came from. Yeah. <laughs> so at the hospital, Scully bursts out of the elevator and rushes down the hall towards Skinner's room. And there are chairs flanking his door, but no one is there. So there are no guards posted. So Scully asks the nurse where the guards went, and the nurse is like they left. And Scully opens the door and Skinner is gone and the beds in the room are made. So he's not even in the room anymore. And Scully asks where he is. And the nurse says he's no longer a patient here. Some orderlies came and took him away. And Scully's like, where? And the nurse is like, "Hmm, no, another hospital. Duh. (laughs) Why would I know that? And she's like, well, the ambulance must have just left. And so Scully thanks her and runs off. And apparently there's an ambulance near the hospital maybe she goes up to several we don't know but she eventually gets to an ambulance that's sitting at a stoplight and she flashes her badge and she asks the driver if he's transporting walter skinner and he checks his board she doesn't know the name of the patient in back and he's like yeah i am and she's like okay i'm going to ride with you the rest of the way and she gets in the back of the ambulance and there's no one else back there with skinner so it's just the driver and skinner which which I don't, is seems weird. bad yeah very yeah. weird because there's yeah. usually a second person to watch the picture. Yeah, because what if right? something
0: happened? Like Skinner went to like cardiac arrest or something while they do right. driving? Right. Like
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely weird. I
0: mean, there's a door to get from the driver area to the back, like an but opening. Still, right? there's usually but a still second you're driving. Person, so what are you gonna do?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So she sits down and Skinner's like, What are you doing here? And she tells him that she wanted to be sure he got to his destination safely.
0: Yeah. I don't know. The this this whole thing is weird one because like there's no one else in the habit and it doesn't seem like the driver is like doing anything wrong it seems like he's just yeah like he doesn't, that's what's
1: like, weird because like if yeah. he were part of it it would make sense that he was alone and i yeah, don't like, know when, but... like when
0: scully gets in you expect like Louis carnell to be in there or something like that right but like no one is in there but like Skinner's room has been completely like stripped down and like remade. Everything's clean. And then like the ambulance left, and yet she manages like on foot, just like catch up to the ambulance on the street and be like, hey, I'm gonna get in by like weird. But anyway, again, plot. So
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the ambulance drives a little ways and gets to another stoplight, and then something shakes the ambulance slightly, and Scully stands and gets her gun out. And she heads for the back door and she's going to pull on the handle and kind of open it and check what's out there. But the door flies open and Cardinal is there and he fires, but the door apparently pushes him backwards, like as he fires the gun. So he lands on the hood of another car and obviously his shot misses and it hits the door of the ambulance. And then he runs off and Scully runs after him. And as he's running away, Cardinal is hit by a car and he rolls over the hood and then he hits the ground and he almost gets hit by another car because this is why you don't play in traffic kids. And he gets up and runs though. He is limping and Scully chases him to an alley and he trips and falls. And she yells, are you Louise Cardinal? Are you the man who killed my sister? And Cardinal's like prone on the pavement. And he's like, please don't kill me. And Cardinal tells her that she wants crycheck Like crycheck is the one. And he says, please don't shoot me. And Scully looks like she actually might shoot him because she, you know, thinks this is the guy who killed her sister. And I uh, don't not sure I would totally blame her on that, but then sirens sound nearby and two cop cars pull into the alley and the officers tell her to drop the gun. So she lowers it and she shows them her badge and says she's FBI and the cops cuff Cardinal.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's cool to shoot someone that you think killed your sister. No,
1: I mean... No,
0: but also, I don't. <laughs> I the get scene, the emotion to me, though. To me, I never actually thought she was gonna shoot him. She's just all making faces and like, "You killed my sister!" And I never thought like she was gonna pull the trigger. Like her fingers, she never does that. Like I'm about to shoot you kind of thing that you always see on TV when someone's about to shoot someone. No, just, like holding the gun on him and like shaking and whatever. But yeah, but she looks so that, like again, she wants that's to. She so, does look like I mean, she wants to
1: though.
0: I don't know. I don't think she looks like she wants to. But that's again. That's me. it's subjective so it is yes but one thing is not subjective is we can i think we can all agree that like he's dead he's basically he's dead he's not surviving this episode no so yeah no maybe taken into custody but yeah yeah and then it's commercial because we he's dead we know he's dead
1: he yeah, he's yeah. unfortunately he's, he's yes dead.
0: yeah <laughs> so the Multer's in his car like digging through the glove box for some reason but it'll make sense when we in a little bit, but he's like digging through the glove box, and like pulling out like crossword puzzles and just weird stuff. And then his phone rings, and it's Scully, and he's like, "I'm in New York," and she's like, "What are you doing in New York?" And he's like, "I'm looking for my rental car agreement," so he's trying to find it in the glove box, apparently. And she tells him that his instincts were right about Skinner. They just arrested a man for attempted murder, and it's the man who shot her sister. And then Scully says that Carnell says that he knows where Crycheck is. That he's headed toward an abandoned missile silo in North Dakota. And Mulder's like, okay, meet me at the D.C. airport in an hour and get two tickets to the first flight to North Dakota. Scully's like, what's there? And Mulder says, the salvaged UFO. Also, cry check because you just learned that he's going there. So cry check. Mm -hmm. so, So then we're in Black Crow, North Dakota and Mulder and Scully pull up to an abandoned silo, and they get out of their car, and Scully says, there must be 200 silos out here, and if she's correct, they were all filled with concrete in accord with the disarmament treaty when they were decommissioned, and the lock looks broken on the door, and so Mulder pulls out his gun, and he says, he didn't sign a treaty, and then so Scully pulls out her gun, and they open the door, and they both go in, and they got their flashlights, and then eight stories down, they reach a red door with a warning sign on it, and it has a wheel to open it, so Mulder Turns the wheel and opens. And it's all three right? Because it's old, and the silo's empty. And Mulder's like, apparently, no one signed that treaty. Haha. <laughs> and then Scully's like, one down, ninety-nine silos to go. And maybe, especially with recent events, maybe I'm just like hyper aware of this kind of stuff now when I see it on screen. But like when they both pull their guns where they go in, and when they do, when David Duchovny pulls his gun. Jillian Anderson is like directly in the line of fire of his gun the entire time that he pulls it out of his pants. And then when she pulls her gun out, he is directly in line of fire of her gun. And when they pull them out, both of them have their fingers on the trigger. And like David Duchovny never takes his finger off the trigger. Like Jillian Anderson takes hers off, but only when it's like pointed up in the air. And it's like, like, seriously, like, I hope those guns were like dummy guns and just could not fire anything at all. Because that's like, yeah that's not great. Like they are directly like in the line of fire with each person. Right. I mean, they
1: probably this, were. And again, you know, we're definitely unloaded, but I mean, that's what they thought on the movie set too. Right. But yeah, yeah they definitely... they always.
0: that's the thing. They always think they're not loaded or they're loaded with. Right. And there's not, and there's yeah. something wrong. And it's just like, Man, you shouldn't, I mean, just, and just standard, even if they are like agents, you should never be having your gun pointing directly at someone unless you are intending to shoot them. So even just no. like from a like real life point of view as like federal agents, like they should not have been pulling their guns like that. And also you should not pull your gun out of your holster with your finger on the trigger. That's not great, but yeah, I'm just surprised like at this point in the series that, that, I mean, I have really, honestly, I had not paid attention to it much in previous episodes. But this one, I was just like, holy crap. I noticed it actually when she pulled hers out
1: because mm-hmm.
0: because the way they're the way they're facing, she's against the door and then he's against the door. So when she pulls her out from the right hand side, there's like no way that he is not in the line of fire. But then I went back and watched it and I was like, oh, crap, she's in the line of fire when he pulls this out, too. And then he never takes his finger off the trigger. and yeah. she has hers on the trigger the whole time until she gets it up in the air. And then her finger goes down to the handle. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, my God. So, yeah, just kind of like not, Yeah so damn people like attention mentioned that stuff those are guns
1: <laughs> gun safety corner with nick
0: <laughs> yeah i mean unless you got like a solid plastic gun that is not a real gun at all but still like
1: yeah i know it's not good at some
0: point they are holding little guns so they should always be doing like total gun safety even if they're using like a plastic gun
1: because
0: mm-hmm. you know habits right
1: so, yeah yeah So they head out into the hall and Scully says the tunnels must go on for miles. And they hear a noise and they see the lights from other flashlights at the end of the corridor. So they turn off their flashlights and run. And Mulder's like, he's here. Then they see a man with bad radiation burns sitting propped against the wall. And then the lights come on and we see there are actually a couple bodies on the floor. And they're soldiers. And then more soldiers come running down the hall and they're like, hold it right there. And so Mulder and Scully run. They don't hold it right there. And they turn a corner, and more soldiers come from the other end of the tunnel, trapping them. And one of them commands them to put their hands in the air, and they're kind of stuck, so they do. And then the soldiers take their guns and escort them out. And outside, the cigarette-smoking man has arrived, and Mulder tells him, He's here. You led him here, didn't you? And the cigarette-smoking man is like, Nothing here but holes in the ground, Mr. Mulder. And Mulder says it's a UFO. That's what Krychek is after, isn't it? And the cigarette smoking man says, Crycheck vanished five months ago. And Scully's like, We saw bodies in there. And the cigarette smoking man is like, You saw nothing. And then he heads for the silo door. And Mulder and Scully are escorted to a parked van and kind of pushed inside. And Mulder shouts at the cigarette smoking man that he can't bury the truth. And then the van doors are shut. Yep. God damn, I love the cigarette smokey man so much. Like, he's just like, we saw bodies. And he's like, you saw nothing. Like, he's just like, no, you didn't. it's so great. Yeah. It's so good. I just no, love it him so good. much.
0: He does reiterate the five-month time frame that we got from Skinner last episode. About, like, you know, it was, it's been five months. Because obviously, like, Crytek disappeared at the same time that Melissa was shot, right? That right. Same, that same series. I mean, it's actually more like nine months because Anasazi and all the episodes right there, they took place in April, right? Because we got we got hard date stamps on those episodes, right? Because it's like a, mm-hmm. April 16th is when Mulder finds the train car. But we know from Syzygy that that happened on January 12th. Right. And so it's been like at least nine months, not five months.
1: So yeah.
0: Timing is a little off on that. So I didn't mm-hmm. think about that until...
1: Not as bad as like the four episodes that happened between like Firewalker. Yeah, the four episodes that like was.
0: happened within an episode. <laughs> within basically. like one yeah. week, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, the four so. episodes that happened within Firewalker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> basically, yeah. So not quite that bad, but yeah, definitely a discrepancy <laughs> on the timeline there. Yeah.
0: So inside the silo, the cigarette smoking man is standing near the group of bodies, and he tells the soldier to take them away. And then he continues down the hall and he arrives at a door, silo 1013 lights a cigarette, turns back, walks away. And then I guess he was just checking it out, making sure, you know, things... I think he was
1: just making sure that it was closed and didn't look like it had been disturbed. Yeah. Yeah. Because
0: when Mulder and Scully are grabbed by the soldiers, when they're walked away, we see they are right in front of door 1013. So yeah, he was probably just going to check sure it makes like, everything's still cool, still closed, still locked. Cool. Yep. So... Then the camera zooms in on the door, and there's this little window in the door at the top, you know, like with the little wire glass and all that kind of stuff. And then we kind of like go through the glass, and we're inside the silo, and it's, it's pretty nasty in there. It's like stuff all covered in grime, and it's super dark. And then as the camera pans up from above, we see that it's actually a triangular UFO, and Krychek is kneeling on top of it, and then that black oil stuff is just like coming out of his face his eyes and his mouth and he's all
1: uh, uh, uh,"
0: and it lands on the ship and there's like this little like carving thing in the top, all these little symbols and it goes into one and just goes into the carving and disappears into the UFO. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: UFO's kind of it's not tiny but it's tiny if you're thinking like people are flying it because like you see Krychek on top of it. And so it's like, how would yeah. a person be in there? But I mean, well, it's, it's probably not, it's not, like, it's not tiny, tiny, but it's no like, tiny if you're thinking like people are piling in it, kind of thing. But it's black oil, so I guess it doesn't need a lot of space, right?
1: Yeah. It's, well, it's and it might really be just like one a one person deal, like kind of like a fighter jet or something. Like, yeah. Even not...
0: then, I think it's a little small. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll we'll get some dimensions later here at the end. But I mean, and the dimensions seem to match what it shows. But as far as like someone in it, it seems like when you say the numbers, they sound big, but when you actually see it, you're like, okay. I don't know how a yeah. person would be in there but yeah and of course I'm thinking people right aliens even aliens they're still aliens are people too I mean they're shorter but they're still they take <laughs> up space and so it's kind of like yeah you know it was like a little a little one seater it's still like I don't know anybody would be in there but yeah but it looks it looks really cool it does look awesome it probably. does look oh, cool it, yeah it looks really sweet yeah
1: so we're at FBI headquarters and there's a pretzel stand parked outside, which I just yeah. noticed because I always love a soft pretzel. I'm a fan. Well, of and those. also
0: it's a different angle than we usually get of the building they use for the FBI headquarters. Yeah, it so, is. Which is some building in Vancouver, obviously, but, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's a different angle than we usually
1: get. So. And also soft pretzels are delicious.
0: Yeah, maybe those pretzels and- are always there.
1: Maybe, never, and they just don't eat before. them enough. If I worked there, yeah. I'd be having a pretzel like every day. <laughs> so Maybe good. the
0: guy wasn't giving them some kickback money to get on screen, and now he finally was like, hey, and gave them some money, and they were like, okay, we'll
1: show you. Yeah, got to go find that pretzel stand. Anyhow, Mulder is in the X-Files office, and Skinner knocks and comes in, and he's using a cane, so he's clearly not totally recovered. And Mulder gets up and shakes his hand, and he says he didn't expect him back for a few weeks. And Skinner tells him that he's looking for Agent Scully. And Mulder thanks him for everything he did. And Skinner's like, you mean getting shot in the gut? And Mulder says he got shot because he stood up to those people. And Skinner's like, I was just doing my job. And Mulder tells him from what he understands, he put his life and his job on the line for Scully. And Skinner's like, this isn't my crusade. A woman was murdered and Skinner mistakenly thought they could bring the man to justice. And Mulder asks what he means by mistakenly. And Skinner tells him that that's what he needs to talk to Scully about. So Scully's in a cemetery, and she's bringing flowers to Melissa's grave. And Mulder arrives, and he's got some flowers with him as well, and he sets them on the grave. And Scully says she was just thinking about something a man said to her, that the dead speak to us from beyond the grave, and that's what conscience is. And Scully thought when they found the shooter, she'd feel some kind of closure, but the truth is no court or punishment is ever enough. And Mulder tells her there may be some justice, just not the kind she's looking for. They found Cardinal dead in his cell. And Scully asks how. And Mulder tells her that they made it look like a suicide. And the man he worked for couldn't take the chance that he'd point the finger at them, so they couldn't let him live. And Scully asks about Krycek, And Mulder's like, he was there, like in the silos. And Mulder is sure of it. And Scully realizes that he thinks they got Krycek too. And Mulder says if they haven't already... They will. And Scully says, maybe that man was right. Maybe we do bury the dead alive.
0: Maybe it's not the dead. Maybe it's God. and We're just not listening to him talk. I don't know. This, this was like very much like that scene. I was kind of like, oh. you did a very good job of summarizing her speech. She goes on for a long
1: time. about. She does. I mean. And I don't, yeah. I know why they're using the terminology buried the dead alive. It's for a very specific reason we're about to get to. I don't As someone who deals with grief a lot and has in recent years and actually very recently in my life, like I feel like that's just not an accurate description of anything I've ever felt. And I'm not saying that that doesn't mean that other people haven't felt that way, or it's not an interesting notion. It just feels very derived for this specific reason. Like we're going to put this language in there and then we're going to have it pay off at the end. And so it doesn't have that like resonance Because it doesn't, you know, sometimes the stuff in the show or any show, honestly, will like really have that resonance with you where you're like, yes, that is how I feel about that thing. Or I have felt that, or I know people who have felt that. And that sounds true to me. Whereas this just, for whatever reason, doesn't click with me. It doesn't sound true at all. It just sounds very derived for the specific purpose.
0: (laughs) Well, and also, I mean, as we noted in previous episodes, like, you can kind of tell when Chris Carter is a writer because he likes to write like speeches, he does.
1: He does. He and likes. Speeches. They are
0: very like. Oh, okay, come sometimes, on,
1: sometimes they're very so. flowery, and sometimes they work for me. This one just doesn't. Sorry, Chris Carter, yeah, no, doesn't work. No, you for did me. a good
0: job of summarizing it because I was like, I was like, wow, you like, like, really, just like,
1: boom, it. <laughs> got like to the heart on, of it.
0: Yeah, because she goes on for a long time at that gravesite about yeah all this stuff, and so yeah.
1: Which I get it. You know, she's got to spill her. Her feelings, it's fine. Yeah, it,
0: it just very. It felt very like when she was in the confessional and like, maybe God is speaking and we aren't listening. I was like, <laughs> so.
1: There's that lesson. All right. So here is why they're saying buried the dead alive a million times because mm-hmm. they really want to have this come back. So back in the missile silo, Krychek is trapped in the room with the UFO and the alien has left him. The alien's in the UFO. So mm-hmm. he's back to being Alex Krychek. Last thing he knew, he was in Hong Kong. And now he's in this weird grain silo with a UFO laughing
0: at Joan. Yeah,
1: being a jerk. And he's banging on the door and he's unable to get out. And the camera zooms out. And we see that window in the door of 1013. And Krychek's just standing there trapped, buried alive.
0: And it's the end. Yeah. And, of course, we know 1013, right? We've talked about 1013 many times.
1: Yeah, Chris Carter's birthday, Mulder's birthday. It's all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, Mulder's birthday, Chris
0: Carter's birthday, the name of the production company. Yeah, yeah. so 1013.
1: And apparently the face rig on CryCheck was a mask with tubes to allow the oil to, like, come out of his face. It was apparently incredibly uncomfortable to wear, which makes sense. And he had to breathe through a straw while he was wearing it. And it took over an hour to put on. And apparently they had actually filmed it once, but then three days later, they were looking over the shots they had, and it was too dark. And so they had to have Nick Lee come back and do it again, and he had to put it back on, and he was not very excited about that because it was not fun to wear. Hmm.
0: I wonder if they had to build a whole new one or if it was reusable.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. And then the UFO was 30 feet on two sides and took up almost an entire soundstage, and they built it out of wood. And art director Graham Murray wanted it to have that stealth look. Because Chris Carter had said any alien ship on the show should appear as if it might also be some kind of experimental military plane to kind of leave things ambiguous. So there's just kind of always this question. So he wanted it to look like a UFO, but also maybe it's just a military plane kind of. Although I don't think the
0: UFO in paperclip matches that description. Yeah. Board ship almost like octagonal kind of thing not that the board chips are octagonal. Those are obviously cubes, but mm-hmm. kind of had all that, all those griblies and all that kind of stuff on it.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and as I mentioned earlier, like it, that, like to say like, oh, it was 30 feet on two sides. Like, that sounds big. It's big. I think the whole, like it took a whole sound statement because they had obviously had to do the set decoration to go right. around it as well. Right. It's not like the thing took that much mm-hmm. space. It's like the entire set took that much space because obviously there's lots of space around it because it was supposed to be in a silo. They had a set decorate all that. So, yeah, I mean, like, like I said before, it, it looks awesome. It just, it still looks super small to me compared to the other UFOs we've always seen. Cause like, Project is just like crouched on it. And, you know, so, but yeah, but it does look cool. It looks almost like, like when you see it from above, like when you get to see the whole thing, cause it's, it's not like, like other ones where it's kind of almost like a, like a perfect triangle where it's like, it's like mm-hmm. you know, if you rotate it no matter what, it's always like, you know, 60, 60, 60 degrees kind of thing. It's more of a, like, a pointed arrowheady kind of triangle. Almost like a Star Destroyer kind of shape a little bit. But it looks almost like it could be, like, hewn from a single piece of, like, rock or something because it's kind of, like, it's kind of, like, busted up on the front a little bit. But then it looks like it's just, like, a, a single piece of, like, solid material. It, look, it looks really cool. And if the black oil is the alien, then it will make, you know, it wouldn't need to be big, right? And it wouldn't need to have, like, a door to get in because obviously it can just be, like, go through. Yeah. Thing. Swirly thing on the top, so.
1: Well, and you might, maybe we're supposed to think it's bigger than it looks, too. I don't know. Maybe. Well, I don't know because it's I mean, how small, small Kry- it is.
0: You see Kry- <laughs> check on top of it. You can see how right. It, oh, right? I know. So, I
1: just yeah. think most people aren't probably thinking about the size. Like yeah. That.
0: Yeah. It's just it's just like the whole like oh it was thirty feet long it sounds super huge but then when you see it you're like oh okay I could and I totally I can see like yeah that side that side, that's thirty feet that is thirty feet but then as a whole it looks like it's not like
1: they had CryTech so pull out just, a measuring tape and go look yes, at this big ship. Yes. 30- damn 30 <laughs> feet
0: how am i gonna fit in this Anyway, i guess maybe if you laid if you laid down like it was like a big like space coffin or something a person yeah i don't know for sure but yeah just like i'm just thinking like you're sitting in it being like
1: whoa oh, UFO, flying a ufo gonna go get some coffee
0: do, do, do. Driving
1: yeah you know your down. alien ship through the starbucks drive through <laughs> kind of
0: yeah, well, I mean, you would just have your own espresso machine. Oh, I see. Gotcha. You have aliens oh, yeah. like I don't need to go to Starbucks, man. I have technology. I can make it myself. <laughs> so.
1: Of course, obviously, I have
0: the technology. <laughs> so yeah, but no, it looks it looks super sweet. It looks really good. It's like I would uh, I wouldn't mind having a copy of that prop. That was pretty sweet. So yeah, nice. It, I think maybe because it, it does have that, it kind of has that star destroyer look to it a little bit. Yeah, like a little the bit. Shape of the triangle and star destroyers, so sweet looking. So yeah. Um, and then I did mention last episode I was going to try and do some number research on those numbers because remember we had like the the one 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 four seven zero and I had mentioned that's kind of very similar to the seven digit like entry code that we got in seven thirty one. I could not find nothing on those numbers. The closest I got was there's like a a California health code that has that number They're talking about <laughs> making sure that you sell drugs properly and don't like sell them to people that you shouldn't sell them to. Like I think they're talking about pre- prescription drugs I don't know that's the closest yeah. I can come up with So I'm willing to bet that number probably does is from somewhere like someone just saw it like written on a piece of equipment or something so they used it
1: maybe um, like, yeah because it
0: has it is very similar to the last one and so like it probably has something but no I couldn't find anybody talking about it okay so at least not that it was like searchable digitally you know I didn't like you know I can't unfortunately like search all books even though Google is trying to make that possible but you still can't do it so one thing I did find out, though, well, there were two things I found out they were kind of related. One is that I guess in the last episode, they intentionally did not put Nicholas Lee's credit in the beginning of the episode to make a oh, surprise yeah. when he shows up at the end. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I didn't it know doesn't.
0: that. Because we've talked before, like when we talked about in the last two part, we were like, all right, the lone gunman and Skinner and X are going to be in here. Yes. Sweet so they like totally left his name off
1: the yeah so
0: that it wouldn't be you wouldn't know he was coming back
1: which i think is good because you you know if, if you know the show at all whenever you see the star's name you're like oh that character so like it's yeah been, totally exactly yeah. yeah
0: and then the other thing i saw was that when in the last episode when he's at the airport and he's looking up at the flights to go to dc it's flight number one one two one which we have talked before many times about how like, you know, moles are always called skull and her at 1121 kind of thing. And I was like, that's cool. Like if that's your number, use it, but you got to like use it differently. Use it. And this, because I didn't catch it. Like this was actually a good way to use it because you snuck it in and people, a lot of people didn't realize it, or at least I didn't. And so I'm nice. like, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. You slip it in <laughs> like that, You slip it in secretly. So good job. Good job. On that one. <laughs> nice. Especially because we hadn't, I've been paying attention lately when, people are getting phone calls and like there's a clock by the bed and it hasn't shown up lately. So you kind of like have forgotten about it, which is probably one of the reasons why I missed it. So.
1: Nice.
0: Cause soon as I saw that I was like, Oh shit, it was because I remember I had been looking at flight numbers to see if numbers were thing. And I just totally just went right by me just because it hadn't been appearing lately. I think we've been more focused on the 10, 13 recently.
1: So mm-hmm. yeah, we've been getting more of that lately. I think yeah. so. So yeah, good job. Good job on the numbers.
0: But yeah, I couldn't find anything about the other one at all. So, Oh, well. No numerology nook this episode, really.
1: (laughs) Oh, well. Darn. Oh, lass.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, but that's all. I I think everything else we talked about in the episode that I've got. You got anything else?
1: No, I think that's it. Like, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say about it. Like, I do... Like the ending. I do actually feel really bad for Crycheck, though. I mean, I don't think he deserves a lot, but that's a pretty bum deal. So, well, is this the end of Crycheck? I don't know. I know he's in a relatively small number of episodes, and I don't remember. The one thing I remembered with him was the black oil in his eyes. So, I knew until we got to that, he was going to keep coming back. Obviously, we've gotten to that now. So, I don't remember mm. if he comes back again. Obviously, the cigarette smoking man knows where he is. So, it's not like no one mm. knows that he's there and can't come get him. Or, you know, maybe he can find some way to get out. Maybe the alien will blow the silo apart by getting the UFO out. Who knows? But yeah. so Crytek may come back. I don't know, but it does seem like he's not in a great situation right now. So sorry, Crytek. It will be
0: like, dude, this guy is driving me crazy with his crying and beating on my door. <laughs> I'm just going to possess him and blow the door off and then, like, go back out and let him yeah. leave. Yeah,
1: So who knows? I mean, so, again, Sigurds- yeah. I mean, it's entirely possible. So, and again, Cigarette Smoking Man knows he's there. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah i liked this episode i thought it was good myth arc stuff it's a good continuation of everything that we saw last time okay and i do like this scully i mean there's not a lot of time for her to question things but like she really doesn't push back too much on it at this point which i think is good i don't know you know next time the same stuff comes up we'll see (laughs) but like I do like that like she's just like Mulder's like there's a UFO there and like we don't get any Mulder. There's not a, you know, she doesn't even say it. She's just like, okay, let's go. Like, you know, mm, okay. So I thought that was good.
0: Yeah, we don't get another myth arc until the uh season finale. Oh wow. So I don't okay. know how much that's gonna come up. So, so yeah. We got a
1: lot of monsters of the week to look forward to. Yeah.
0: So I thought you were gonna just gonna lead right into your rating. Well, oh, I should. Yeah. It well, and, it's yeah. I mean,
1: it's an eight. It's gotta okay. be, because it's, it's the same as the last episode. I do like the cigarette smoking man in this one a lot. I mean, he's always, he makes me happy. So, I thought that was good, and yeah, I thought everyone was really good, and it was a good one.
0: They did both a good job of dubbing his voice into that teaser with the mm, young dude. Yeah. But then also, it didn't sound like it could come from that face.
1: I know, I know, and it was funny because at first I was like, well, I was pretty much like, yeah, there's no way that guy's doing an impression That is 100% William B. Davis. Yeah, and no, so, like, it's definitely there's... his voice, yeah. Yeah, so you're like, okay. I mean, but, I didn't I mean... look to
0: see if it was, but I, I'm almost... I don't oh, know, it is, not. it but is. it definitely is his voice. So yeah, I
1: didn't I look did either. Know. You don't have to. It is his no, voice, I so... Yeah, it's totally... Yeah, um, I did think that was kind of neat that they threw that in there, but at the same time, like, I don't know that we really needed that, but I mean, it does let us know how the cigarette smoking man knows, right? So, like, yeah, he was there... Way yeah, back when, because the
0: other guy, just his way of speaking, I was like, okay, that's supposed to be Mulder's dad. You could kind of mm-hmm. get that—that that was Mulder's dad, even before he's like, Mister Mulder. You're kind of like that's Mulder's dad. And then the other dude, like, I wasn't sure, and then I was like, okay. And then the fact that the elder number one Godfather computer has a good bit in this episode too, I was like, okay, that's probably him. Yeah, I, was like, I can look. I was like, okay, yeah, that's probably him. And then like the dude they have playing cigarette smoking man. Like you don't really see that face becoming the cigarette smoking man at some point. Cause he's, he's like, he's the youngest of them as far as facial goes in that scene. You know, he's very like clean cut and maybe not clean cut, but he's very, he's very youthful looking, but yeah, they did it. Like I said, the, the dubbing is perfect. Like the lips match exactly. But then you're like, but that doesn't sound like that's that face saying it. It's like, it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird, like double action. You're like, they did a really good job. And yet I still don't think that's, that guy talking which i mean it's not right so, no
1: yeah exactly so, yeah
0: but but they did a really good job of dubbing it like you can't just like from like visual you're not like that's dubbing it's only because you know the person's voice and who it is that you're like that's dubbed So mm-hmm, really exactly
1: yeah yeah and I would think the cigarette smoking's voice has changed a lot due to all his smoking, so... <laughs> yeah, he kind of... <laughs> but that's okay, that. because but it does It's but just also, to let us know, right, who yeah, that is. It's not really... He, I,
0: I mean, with what he says and the fact that he's, like, lighted up a cigarette in this, like, hospital room, you would kind of realize that's who it's supposed to be. Yeah. But I, I get what they were going for. And like I said, they yeah. did. Like, technically, they did an awesome job of doing the dub. It's just also one of those things, like... I don't know that I match that voice, but we know that I have things about sometimes voices not seeming to match faces. So yeah, but like I did say they did, they did an awesome job on it. And then uh, like yourself, I think I'm going to like, it's like what it is like same as it ever was. It's the last episode basically. Right. It's the same. And so I'm going to give it, I'm going to do the same thing and give it a seven. So nice. you gave it, you gave last episode an eight, you mm-hmm. gave this one an eight. I gave last a seven. I'm going to give this one a seven. So I'm glad there, uh, especially when I realized the whole like, fallen angel thing with like the alien type and the yeah lights. they are actually really trying to like starting to get a cohesion going on so i like that idea mm-hmm. the black oil as a method for that i'm a little not yeah. sure i'm i i like the shapeshifter thing better than the black oil thing but then if you want people to still exist later the the shapeshifting thing becomes a problem because usually when you shapeshift, you kill the person and you take the
1: form. Right, of. exactly. So, so you yeah. yeah. gotta come to
0: something where you can be someone and not be someone. And so, like, I get it, but yeah, the idea of like sentient fluid is
1: it is strange. weird. And I don't know. I mean, I know it comes back. I don't know how much we actually get about like the mechanics of it. Like, what is the actual alien? Like, you know, that's using this stuff. I don't know if we get much about that. What well,
0: but- is? Well, I mean, it is the plot focus of the first movie.
1: Oh so. well, then I should know lots about it because I have seen that movie.
0: Yeah, because that's the whole thing. Is like the movie, <laughs> oh. takes, like the, the next, like the season after the movie is like basically like like the movie is almost like to be continued, and then the, the show. Yeah, I remember that right part. After it. So yeah, oh,
1: yeah. I don't. Yeah, it's so funny how like I was so into this stuff, and yet my memory of it is so bad. I don't know what happened. I mean, I drank a lot in my twenties. I probably just killed some brain cells. <laughs> That's probably what happened. Sorry, brain. I don't do that anymore. <laughs>
0: do. But, hey, it works.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll probably find out more as well, the series a, goes a on. Well,
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know when it's going to appear next. I know it I appears know.
1: in season four. I just don't know when and, yeah. like, and how. And
0: the movie is between five and six. So it's going to... I'm assuming if it's in four and then it's in the movie... Then it's probably in five, and then we know it's going to be in six because that picks up right after the movie. So yeah, so it's going to be, at least it be appearing at least somewhat in the next three seasons, at least. So yeah, more to come. More to more come.
1: to come with black oil aliens from yeah, Frank Spotnitz, Chris there, Carter,
0: and we will find out.
1: I would love that. I would love to find the truth, like Mulder. I want to believe.
0: Well, if you believe, you don't. Know- need to know the truth because you can just believe
1: oh that's not as fun though I mean I want to believe but I also want to find the truth okay (laughs) I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and edited by Lazy End Productions also known as Nick
0: that's right we made this and be sure to join us next time as we rewatch X-Files season three episode 17 pusher
1: and try to figure out if If the the truth truth is is still out there Trust no one. The truth is what we make of it. John going thermonuclear on the French assassins that killed Jerry.
0: Joan. What? You said John.
1: I said Joan.
0: You said John.
1: No, I said Joan. But I'll start. John, we will
0: send you the audio later. You said (laughs) okay.
1: I'm sure I said Joan. I think I just said it weird. I think I just said it. You said John. All right. Well, I meant to say Joan. We'll
0: see. As soon as we get done, I'll I'll send you some audio. We'll see. We'll see, and we'll we'll see who's right. We'll have to we'll have to come with some. Thing that if one of us is wrong, then like if I'm wrong, I owe you something.
1: <laughs> I swear I said Joe. I think I said Joe. I think I just said it weird, so it sounded like John. anyway,
0: you don't get to hit you pitch it like that. You said John, or you said John There's, There is no <laughs> saying Joan that sounds like John.
1: I think I, I don't that's know. I might have said Joe. If
0: you say Joan and it sounds like John, that means you said John. <laughs> okay. So
1: anyway, I guess that's fair.
0: The audio does not. The, <laughs> the audio does not. Intent does not matter when it comes to audio. <laughs>